Hello. Hello. Welcome to Shift Happens. <laughs> I'm Shiva, and today's guest is my buddy Kofi. I'm just going to wait until he comes on so I can invite him. This is going to be the latest episode of Shift Happens. Um, if you're new here, this is the first time you're listening to, to this, the first time you're talking, you're hearing me talk. Um, shift happens actually here you you know what he's here right now so let me just invite him and then I'll do a brief introduction make sure my volume is up Kofi oh there you go there we go (laughs) hi how are you holy crap I was just saying it's been so long since we've spoken or since we've actually even seen each other i think it was last was it last year no it was earlier this year it was like earlier this year but it was i think it was for the sole purpose of like running down to give something to nick and then immediately going back upstairs again <laughs> that's true so like that's that doesn't true. but yeah I think we were like on our way out, out, out of toronto what i think we were on our way out of toronto yeah it was like on your way out on the last day because i think i was i think i was in texas or something like that and like i missed the entire time you guys were there I was somewhere ridiculous. I was somewhere where, like, I wasn't there, basically. This happens a lot, where we just miss each other. We're like, yeah. dang it. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, that's... so thank you for being here. I just wanted to give uh, just a brief introduction. Um, I've been going live with people, just have a conversation, just about things that have happened in their lives. I've kind of, like, shifted their lives, things that experiences or whatever it is, or I just call them shifts, right? They're opportunities yeah. that people have had that's kind of, like, change their mind and the path that they were on right so that's the name of the thing it's like shift happens because we yeah. have these things happen but not everyone necessarily become aware of these things are paying attention to these things and are able to let them lead them somewhere else mm-hmm. so i think you're such a great example of people who have been able to do that you're you know we met a few years ago and even just to see the growth that you've had it's amazing it is something that on paper this is what i love about every conversation i've had i'm like on paper this doesn't make sense (laughs) yeah and this is what i love because it's like it's not supposed to make sense to anybody but you even for yourself sometimes you probably look at your life and you're like this makes no sense how the freak did i get here (laughs) how, how did i how did I get here because i distinctly remember not having any money and not yes. knowing where i was gonna live that was i i, I distinctly remember that and now none of those things are a problem which is interesting so yes exactly and this is why i think it's so important to have these conversations because you know we live in a world we live in system whatever you ever label you want to put on it that there are certain paths there are certain boxes that were put out there are certain ways that society says this is how things are done and that's yeah. it so when you kind of sh- you go off course, you know, it, it's scary. When you go off course, it's like, what the frig am I doing? And all of these emotions, all these things come up. Mm-hmm. So that's why I really want to talk to you about it today. So just to start it off, who are you and how do you show up in the world? Uh, I, I feel like how I show up in the world is based on who sees me. Because uh, mm. unless I'm working, no one does. Um, but I guess I would consider myself... Uh, something what they would call a director of photography. It doesn't actually mean you're taking photos. It generally means that you are doing things behind the camera in terms of video, um, kind of dictating where the image is and like lighting and camera movement, things like that. Um, but I also do photography on the side. So that's where it gets a little bit confusing. Um, but I think the easiest way is just uh, I do things with my camera that makes money. 
I wish there was like a good Ooh. word for it that didn't sound like because content creator gets so cringy and like the mm. the spectrum is so broad that you don't like you, it's like when you say somebody's a doctor but like there's so many dis different like disciplinaries of a doctor so like you might think that this person is like a general physician even you find out they're like a brain surgeon or they're um or they have a doctorate in say like education right so I don't know. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to think of a better word that you could say at once, and people are like, "Oh, okay, I understand." Because then you have to go through the whole explanation, and then you also have to answer like, "Oh, like, do people make money doing that?" I'm like, "Yes, absolutely, they do." Um, but yeah, essentially, I I guess I would classify myself as a photographer and a cinematographer. If that's if that's a fair assessment. Okay, you know what? I love that you just you just hit on something that I think is so important. If anybody's paying attention to that, when you talk about even just content creation. So that's a thing or a, a label that's become very popular. And when something becomes very popular, when something becomes like, oh, this is how it's done, it's almost like we put our, there's a box that's put in, into it now, right? Like you're put into a box where you're like, oh, a content creator. Okay, so you have an idea of what that is. But even within that, to realize that the way we are living lives right now, the way that we're accessing our creativity, the way that we're doing anything, it's so different than like putting yourself in a box. It's also realizing that like you don't have to follow the rules even within what you've called yourself. You can still get to explore in different aspects and different ways of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I love that like you even said that you like, you know, talk about a doctor. Like there's so many different parts of yeah. different um, you know, types of doctors. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that you said that. Yeah, like, I would say, like, even, like, if you think about, like, the spectrum of, like, what goes under the umbrella as a content creator, like, there's people that use their phones to make TikToks, there's people that have uh, podcasts, there's mm -hmm. people that are in uh, the digital video space, there are people that are photographers, there's people that are, like, motion graphics artists, like, even on some level, you could say, like, a web designer, by all technical standpoints, is a content creator, so, like, the term itself um, and I don't want to call it cringy. I mean, if that's, if that, like, I don't want to downplay on how somebody would identify themselves, but like, um, just the way that I look at it, like, it's so broad that when you say it now, there still isn't a real answer when somebody asks me what I do. So I just kind of like, well, find the easiest thing to like move the conversation away from it. Cause I don't have a proper answer for it. So I'm like, Hey, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I just take photos. Like, that's generally like what I'll tell people. I'm like, Oh, like of what? I'm like, Oh, just, you know anything sometimes a wedding like sometimes there's you know sometimes it's portraits like I, I don't know um so like that's basically how i do it kind of like and i the downplaying of it isn't necessarily a deprecating thing i think it's just a matter of just it's easier to mm -hmm. explain absolutely no i totally get that and it's so funny because i say this to i say this to nicholas all the time like i feel like photographers or people who work with yeah, with, with photography or anything that has to do with like mm. media, that you guys are in a way, you're storytellers, you're telling the stories of your subjects, whatever that subject is, in a way you are telling their story and you're, you're yeah. accessing, you know, their, like their essence <laughs> in photography. He rolls his eyes when I say this, but this is how I feel. <laughs> hey, well, no, no, it wasn't. I'm like, I like half looking like at my screen because it blinked for something. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, because he rolls his eyes when I say this. That's why I'm. Like, oh, really? Yeah. You guys are so humble, that. and you're like, now. <laughs> well, no, I think like like a photographer, and I think and I think that's another thing too. Like even just and I and I I feel bad just hanging up on the definitions of words and things like that. But I think there's more to it. But it's just like we use that language because it's simple to explain, right? Yeah. Because there's still even there's people even people like in the same age group plus minus couple years, there are still people that don't understand um what exactly all the things a photographer even has to do if we're gonna go with, if we're gonna use that definition right like there's no they, they don't know that like they 
on some level have to know a little bit about design or a little bit about art history. They have to be really good at um, finding locations and things like, like there's mm -hmm. different things that they have to be good at that they have to be so good that they could have a consideration of a complete other occupation, right? But it just so happens that the application of that skill set is photo, right? So mm -hmm. it's not only just being the storytelling aspect, like you have to be so many different things, right? If you're somebody mm -hmm. that works um, in the entrepreneurial space as a photographer, like you have to be a really good marketer, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're somebody that works with web designers, you have to like, you have to, again, you have to know some things about web design even, right? So yeah. um, there's so much to it than just the word. Um, which is why I could see why, like, why he would like roll his eyes because, like, oh, there's so many other things. But like, what are you gonna do? Sit there and spend 15 minutes telling, like, telling somebody's head off about the, the your job title? And I don't know. I think it's just, a, I think it's a simplicity thing rather than anything else. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Do you find that there's still a stigma when it comes to content creation when people say like I'm a content creator? Because I I've seen that like there's there's still that little like mm, oh you're a content creator oh you're an influencer and you know there's always that like do you still feel that that's that do you feel like that's changing or do you feel like there's still that feeling around I, it? I would say it's changing, but I mean like you're always going to have those people right because I mean like if you think about it like even like thirty something years ago like when somebody said they were an entrepreneur you just understood them as being unemployed right like that's you just so you're like <laughs> oh, you don't have a job like that's fine. Right. Um, it's yeah. kind of the same thing now. And because it's kind of the it, it, it's it's kind of the, the the function of the game. Right. Like in terms of being a content creator and things like that, there's no there's not a lot of barrier entry. Right. Like if you have the equipment mm -hmm. to do the things you need to do, there's nothing stopping you. But the sidebar of that is that because there's no barrier to entry, your variance in terms of I don't want to call it quality, but I guess you have to call it that because, again, when it's a business, there's there's some level of competition there's going to be people that are in the top 1%, people in the bottom 1%, right? Yeah. And when you say, oh, I'm a content creator, there's so many people and you don't really know, like by looking at somebody, what percent they're in, that's where you're going to get that stigma, right? It's kind of like a doctor, like even the worst doctor is still a doctor. Even the yeah. worst <laughs> NFL player is still a professional athlete. With a content creator, you can go anywhere from being like, a high school kid who's broken has no idea what they're doing and no life experience or somebody is making a quarter million dollars a year making like making whatever content they're making right um so i think that's why and because you don't really know like i think people's default is just to like look down on them but that is yeah. changing obviously because like based on the pandemic too like there's been so much attention on platforms like mm -hmm. youtube and instagram and stuff like that and it's definitely not coming from nowhere someone's putting it there Right. So you have to be able to give some sort of respect to the people that are actually making stuff on that platform to entertain you in a situation for lot like for the last two years where you really couldn't go places very far. So Ooh, that's true. Absolutely. And I, I totally, I totally agree with this. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to when you decided that you were gonna do this full time or when you decided to take that first step. Was mm -hmm. it was it like so many things were happening that kind of you feel like you couldn't ignore it anymore? Or was it just like you just woke up and you're like, I'm doing it. That's it. I'm going full in. I, I think nothing was happening. And that's what happened. <laughs> so I guess like, uh, was it 2000? It was like 2018, I think. Yeah, it was like 2018. Um, I was broke as a joke for most people yeah. that don't that don't know that. I was uh, let go from a job. I still don't know. I still actually don't know the reason why. Um, and I basically had to like move back home to my parents' house. I ran completely out of money. I spent all my money on like rent and trying to keep myself afloat because I was working uh with other businesses and other and other work but it just wasn't paying enough if not anything um and then eventually i was kind of caught in a rock and a hard place where like 
you couldn't, I couldn't apply to new jobs because of time commitment of other commitments I had. They, I couldn't get a new job to make up the revenue of the same part. I couldn't leave the situation that I was in. So I ended up just spending my money um, just trying to live. And then I had to move back home. And at the time, I don't even think I, I, I had a camera, but I don't think I actually even like saw it. It was like sitting in a drawer for about two years. And my figuring was, well, if you're broke anyways, um, and you have all this free time and you don't have any money, you may as well try to make money with the thing in, in that in your drawer and try to and try to start doing photography or, or doing videos or whatever. Clearly, people are making business out of it. You could see it on the internet at the time in two thousand yeah two thousand eighteen. Um, so clearly, somebody's doing it. So it's not that far the possibility. It's not like they're born like people are born with um, these superhuman skills that no one else could achieve, right? So I decided like you know what, let me like learn first. Like I'll kind of sit at home and learn as much theory as I can. And then I decided, okay, I'm going to try my first, like, um, my first gig, I guess that's what you would call it. And then I think just because 2018, it was, it's, it was late enough in technology, but early enough in the game of being a creative entrepreneur that you were the first to do a lot of things, even if it wasn't amazing, um, which was a great position because it was an opportunity for you to learn and everything that you did next was always the best, like was always somewhere around the realm of competency for people in there, right? So like everybody was starting off at a certain position. So even when you look back at my, like I would look back at things in 2018, I'm like, oh, that was terrible. Why did someone give me money for that? Like everybody was kind of at that level. So it was okay at the time comparatively, right? And, and I'm sure five years from now, I'm gonna look back at stuff I did today and I'm gonna be like, you're an idiot. Um, but yeah, that that kind of happened, and especially doing things specifically in the fitness niche, because I just I, I don't I, I kind of just got thrown into it, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, it's making decent money. I don't have to worry about EI anymore, so I'm not going to complain about whether or not I want to like work out of a niche or expand my horizons. I just want to make sure that my rent is paid. Um, through doing that, you end up getting a certain level of um, being an expert in the field, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily literally speaking, but like you get referred to a little bit high, in a higher regard than a generalist. Um, so I was able to, I guess, kind of etch my way into a niche that was very specific to which there was very few people that were offering certain services. And if you were looking for that service in that field, it's kind of like you get, you get treated a little bit like a brain surgeon, right? Like, like we're making the doctor analogy. There's so many doctors out there and general physicians will, will generally make around the same. But when you want somebody that's going to operate on like your brain, you're going to treat that person a little bit differently, right? You're going to move a little bit differently when you need to engage with that person, right? So I think that's what happened in that niche, and I, not me not knowing that. Um, but it was enough that I decided, you know what, I don't necessarily want to work the two part-time jobs that I did have after after a while. I wasn't necessarily unemployed forever. Um, I didn't want to work those two jobs anymore because I figured if I'm working 68 hours a week for somebody else and I'm making 15 bucks an hour, whatever the case might be, and I have a couple gigs on the weekends, but like sometimes I can't take them because obviously mm -hmm. you're working. Well, if I get those 68 hours back, maybe I only work for 30 of them, but then I still have 38 to promote my business, which sounds like a good deal in my head. And like at the time I was still like at the time um, I lived in Guelph and I moved to Brampton and my parents were from Brampton because so I was living at home. But my parents, as soon as I moved, bought a house in Guelph. So I had up until the point of when they closed on the house and left for me to figure out whether I'm going to go live in Guelph, which I was not going to do, or I was going to move out and live in Brampton, stay in Brampton. So they kind of give you a little bit of a time crunch a little, uh, a little bit, but um, that was what I, that, that was the rationale that I made. I figured I'm like, you know what, if I can 
make more hourly doing my own thing, still have free time, and then also kind of eclipse my revenue with less hours, then just use the more hours to make your business and service offering more valuable then. And, and that's kind of what I did. And um, now we're here. Okay. Okay. So you, I just want to highlight two things that you mentioned. First, you mentioned that the fact that you almost started getting this idea in your head and you looked, so you tried, you found like the evidence of like, well, it's already working for somebody else. Yeah. So I just need, have to figure out if it to work for me, which goes back to even the, one of the main points of us even having these conversations, because I'm like, there's a lot of people that want to do certain things or have an idea about certain things they want to do. And they almost feel like they don't have the evidence. They've never seen it done that mm. way or they've never seen it done, period. So it's difficult for them to even take that step or imagine it or try to figure it out. So what you did is you went to look for the evidence and you found it. And you're like, okay, so people are already doing this. Now I just have to figure out how much yeah. stuff I can do it. And something else that you highlighted that I love, because this is very similar to my story, where I was, um, I was a marketing specialist and then I started freelance modeling on the weekends. And then I realized I was making more money freelance modeling than my nine to five job that I didn't like because I was working for somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> so I really love that you highlight that because that was it for me too. It was like, you know, yeah, is it less security? Sure, why not? But it's still like I was making more money and I was in charge of my schedule. And, you know, so I really have to think about it too. So I love that you, you brought that up. I'm actually going to point at the job security thing because based on me getting let go for reasons <laughs> I still don't understand, I'm well, going to go out of the I honestly don't know. It was, it was the reason didn't make any sense for the time that it was. And I, I don't think we'll get into that in depth, but um, I almost feel like so, at some level job security is a myth because mm. how many Absolutely. people do you know that their job reshifted things and now they're not a bit like they're no, their job's Absolutely. no longer offered anymore. Or mm -hmm. companies go bankrupt or close down, mm -hmm. or you know a global pandemic happens and and mm -hmm. supply chains are destroyed, right? So, I mean, like, yeah, I guess it's more secure in like the acute sense of things because, like, yeah, you could you don't know whether or not you have uh like you have a gig or something like that the next day. But here's the ca like the caveat to that though is you have all the time that you would have been working for somebody else to have some semblance of control of that variable, right? Like, if I'm working. 60 hour weeks for for john something whatever the case may be <laughs> and if i was a freelance i'd only be working maybe like 20 hours like well, 40 whole hours to learn about marketing and promotion mm -hmm. and, and sharpen my skill set and things like that am i not getting that 60 hours guaranteed absolutely but can i say that with 40 hours a week extra to like to sharpen your own sword can i probably make more money in that 20 hours if i spent the 40 doing that you bet your ass, and I and I would mm -hmm. I would venture to argue that there isn't many um, entrepreneurial adventures that is that isn't true for you know what I mean. Right. If you're a hairdresser and you decided that you want to take forty hours a week and you did it for like a month, and you want to take one hundred and sixty hours in a month to be a better hairdresser from a marketing standpoint or a mm -hmm. advertising standpoint, yeah. or you, you wanted to use it for whatever you want to do. I would argue that you would probably be better off had you been working for somebody else, mm. right? So I don't know. That's just my two cents with the whole like job security thing. Because I like even just observing like my own parents and like them having shifts in in, in work mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and my family and my friends having like shifts in the work and stuff. I'm like, that doesn't really sound that secure anymore, now doesn't? Yeah, yeah. I I I, I definitely relate, and I totally agree yeah. with you. So let's talk about your family. So you're. <laughs> I'm always curious about the people in your life because that's something else that I feel 
holds people back from actually um, doing things that they want to do mm-hmm. or to self-actualize or, or to go after their dreams. It's the people around them, their community, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we all hope that we have a community that's supportive, but that's not always the case. So walk me through when you were starting to do this, how do your family react? Because I know for <laughs> for people who like immigrants or coming from immigrant background or even yeah. being a person of color, usually it's like, oh, that's like your little, your little thing on the side. Like you're not taking that seriously, are you? <laughs> I'm going to preface this that both of my parents are born in West (laughs) Africa uh, and immigrated here. So whatever context, the context that you needed is the context that you're getting. Um, (laughs) So, but you know what the interesting part was, and I, and I made a really good discovery from kind of explaining this to my family and stuff like that, because at the end of the day, my parents weren't going to pay my bills at at the end of the day. That's something that no African parent wants to do. So (laughs) my thing, and they also like, and they probably wouldn't leave me to be homeless either. So mm-hmm. in that same vein, I'm like, you know what? I already am on unemployment insurance. I'm not employed. I'm working in a situation that sucks. Yes, I understand. Like, and that was kind of the, the thing I kind of brought up was, like, yes, I understand that this doesn't make a lot of sense based on this, but I, but I kind of looked at the landscape like, well, look at the landscape now. There, there are platforms and people that are getting into getting into small form content, right? They're, they're moving away from going to big production houses and marketing agencies and going more towards um, more towards the, the, the small creators, if that's what you want to call it. Um, they're moving more into that side of things, right? And if I become somebody that is a service provider that's proficient in, say, like, three years, right? Because right now you're still in that learning phase, right? I, I think it was, two, yeah, still like 2018, 2019. So you're still in that learning phase. I'm like, well, for you to get to that level of proficiency, you need a couple of years to do it. It doesn't make sense for me to go back to school, get my MBA, lose those years, and get into the game with just as little skills I had at the beginning. Um, so, I, and I made, I basically made them a bet, which was super ballsy. If you're a kid with your parents, don't make, uh, don't make ballsy bets with your parents because you might get beat up. But um, basically, what I told my parents was, give me twelve months with this. I'm already broke. We're we're already in a crappy position, anyways. What's twelve more months? I'm at the time I was 25, I think I was 25 or 26. I'm like, I'm in my mid twenties, unless I go to prison or have a child, like a lot of parts of my life aren't gonna dramatically change. I promise I won't do either of those. Let me do my plan for a year. If it doesn't work, we'll go with your plan. And the way that I kind of explained that was, and it was right around the time when like my grandma was sick. And I think a lot of people were like, mm-hmm. and like I have multiple family members that were getting older and people were getting mm-hmm. sick. And the, um, the idea of, leaving this world with resent crosses their minds, right? And I kind of just, like, and I just blurted it out. I'm like, if you don't let me do this, I will resent you forever. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that as a threat. I'm not saying that as some sort of promise. I'm not even saying that as something that I, like, I want to do or feel good about, but that's going to be what happens. Because what happens when somebody has a spark and you step on it Ooh. and they go through their life and, you, and they don't get to see that, when they get really old and you get really old, yes, we will still take care of you. We'll still love you. That's still a thing that's going to, like, that's still a non-negotiable, right? But there's always going to be that deep-seated thing being like, you didn't let me do the thing that I really wanted to do with my life. And I You said this my- to your parents. What? You said this to your parents. Oh, 100% I did. Ooh. Oh, yeah. It was, like, yeah. It, I was like, <laughs> and, like, mind you, on the heels of that, there was very much, like, it was it was in parts. It wasn't just all at once. Because, like, right. okay. that's okay. a lot to bring. That's a lot to bring to grown-ass parents. But that was the idea. Like, the idea was, like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be very upset. And, like, un- like, un- like and it's a thing. It, it, you can love your parents, but you can't 
take away your emotions in and like despite that fact you know what i mean mm -hmm. right um if your family if a family member does something to does does wrong by you you're like yeah, as much as you love that particular person right it's gonna be very hard to just like pretend that didn't happen mm -hmm. right uh and there's some things that and i'm sure um and i'm sure there's lots of people's parents that wanted to really do something and really were passionate about it and, and their life might have been fundamentally different if mm -hmm. they had pursued that yeah but they didn't and now they kind of resent whoever put a roadblock for that right mm -hmm. um but yeah, no, that was the most ballsy thing I think I've ever done. Um, I would, yeah, I would argue. I'd say that that's the most like ballsy thing I've ever done. But and it wasn't again. It wasn't like there was definitely a different wording when I when I did right. that. I basically, I basically said like, hey, let me try my plan. And like me getting an MBA at twenty six or twenty seven, I don't necessarily think makes a difference, right? So we'll, we'll try my plan and see how it goes. Um, but to be fair, the entire like first year of it happening was my parents clowning me at like family events. Like, oh, he's like, you know, he's just chasing this small thing or whatever um and i think the turning point of what happened where i got really quiet around that idea was um because my parents and i switched cities uh me living in guelph moving back to brampton and my parents doing vice versa my mom was the um is the branch manager of the td branch that i used to work at okay so when she went to td they didn't realize that that was my mom so they just had read the last thing on the name tag and they're like, oh, like, do you know Kofi? Like, you look kind of alike. Like, you could be his mom. And she's like, oh, I, I actually <laughs> am his mother. And the entire staff's like, you're KY's mom? Yo, have you seen this guy's Instagram account? What? And like, and then they were showing my mom my own content. I, just, I, I don't think my parents know what my work is. I don't think they've actually ever seen it, to be honest with you. Aww. To be fair, I, I, I've taken my website down for, for various reasons. So like, there's not really a central place for them to go to except for Instagram, which is a funny story later because of my dad. Um, but yeah, I don't think my, like, they, they weren't super familiar with the work that I was doing at the time. And right. I think there was some sort of an air, like, it's kind of funny, because I think it's a sort of an air of like, I can't trash talk my kid anymore, because everyone else is co-signing what he's doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think what ends up, ha I think what ended up happening was when, and I, and I guess it happens when you, when you, when you freelance, and you have to explain that to your parents, right? They don't hear anybody else weighing in on it. So mm -hmm. the only opinion they have is their own, right? right? So they're like, oh, that's a small thing I'm not going to take seriously. But right. when you have enough people being like, we really appreciate this person's work, if anything, we want to hire him multiple times or yeah. whatever the case might be, right? Whatever they say to you. Um, then they're like, oh, oh, he's actually, <laughs> he's not, he's not playing around. He actually takes this seriously and it's working because there's people that I don't know that know my kid based on what he's doing and not who he is. Okay, we have to, like, we could, like, and around that time, there's a little bit of a backing off. There was like, my parents were like, oh, like, we're still going to kind of make fun of you. But like, enough people like know who I am based on who you are and your and what you're doing. So like, you know what I mean? Like, this, you yeah. can't really necessarily, you can't call it a small thing anymore because there's yeah. all there's outside, there's external social proof that it's not anymore. Right. So I think that's kind of what ended up happening. It's a long-winded story. But, wow. But. No, that's amazing. I mean, when you're talking about that, you know, talking to your parents and saying these things, listen, mm -hmm. my heart was like, "Ooh, you did what?" Yeah, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. I was. Oh, I didn't. I definitely didn't say, "Let me do this, or I'll hate you forever." It was definitely <laughs> like, "Hey, can we try my plan?" Because we tried your plan, which was which was get a university degree. Uh, can we try my plan for a little while, just like see how it goes? Like, worst case scenario, I'm still broke. So, yeah. <laughs> like worst case scenario, I still have zero money. So we'll kind of figure that part out. Um, 
but yeah, no, it was, it was kind of like that. And the extension of that was like, and it was later on where I was kind of talking about like, if there, if, if there was a more uh, calculated um, idea of not letting me do that, then there definitely would be some sort of like being very upset going on later in life, right? Um, obviously, you don't, don't, I'm not encouraging anybody to go walk out to your parents and say, let me go and sell <laughs> cards or I'll hate you for the rest of your life. That makes zero sense. Um, but I, I would say, um, and there's another anecdote that I, that I realized too, like in that conversation is, and I, I guess it's for anybody's immigrant parents, I don't necessarily know, and I could be wrong, but I don't know if immigrant parents want you to, and I, I guess any parents necessarily that are kind of, that are old school. Um, I don't think it's the doctor, lawyer, engineer title that they want you to do. I think when you, you have to sympathize a little bit that when your parents came into this country where they were younger, that was your, um, that was an indicator of, of wealth and longevity yeah. because you had jobs that were lucrative and they were esteemed, yeah. right? And back then it was a doctor, lawyer, engineer because that was universal, right? Every country is doctors, lawyers, engineers, teachers. Mm -hmm. So there were, there were jobs with, there was jobs with authority and esteem to them, right? And that sort of status, um, especially if you're, if you're, if you're an immigrant family, that mm -hmm. sort of status carries through and it, and it looks very good on that particular family. So more of necessarily, and it's more necessarily you you could consider yourself being okay financially for your for yourself your family your children your children's children if you're in one of those professions at least at the time when it happened i think what they were looking for is those jobs also require a heavy amount of work ethic yeah i don't think it was the occupational title but i think because if you wanted to pursue being a doctor you have to work very very hard mm. so i think if you bridge the gap and you say oh no no i'm going to do this entrepreneurial thing but I'm going to work with the same amount of work ethic that she would expect if I wanted to get my MBA or a doctorate. That's such a beautiful perspective. Um, and and, that's, and like, that's kind of what I explained to my parents. Like, oh, I'm not going to sit on my ass and do this. I'm going to lock, yeah. like, when I was learning photography and doing stuff and stuff like that, I spent so much time in my room studying and researching. My parents thought I moved back to Guelph. They didn't know I was home mm -hmm. for a week. Wow. So I was, in, I was inside my room and I didn't, I, refu I, I just didn't, like, I was zoned in. I didn't want to leave. And I wanted to make sure that if I was going to do something for the first time, I knew, like, I knew as much as I could leaving it. Um, but then that's what my dad kind of said. He's like, hey, you know what? Like, I see what you're doing. Like, you're clearly not um, doing this just to sit on your ass. Like, I'll walk by your room and I could see you sitting on the computer, like, learning classes and doing stuff. Aww. I'm going to leave. Like, you know, we'll try your plan. Um, and I think, and that's where kind of like the light went off. I'm like, oh, it has nothing to do with the doctor, lawyer, MBA, whatever the case is. They just want your, they just want their kids to work hard because generally speaking, that has good rewards that have longevity to it, right? So, mm. um, yeah, that was, that's, that's essentially it in terms of the conversation with your parents. And I think when you have that shift, I mean, like, they're not super gung-ho about it. Um, I think they're a little bit more now. Um, my dad still, my dad will still actually, he knows every, he knows how many followers I have on Instagram, um, like in real time. Like he knows he, 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 he was there and, um, at Christmas dinner, I think it was when I got to like 10,000, he like, was like, Hey, good job getting 10,000. I'm like, you even said a good job in a little bit. <laughs> 10,000 followers. That's what it was. All right, bet. So it was funny. Um, oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. Uh, but I, I think, really love that. That's that's a good perspective yeah. that I've actually never even thought about myself. So I love that. I love that you said this. I don't think it's the title. I think it's I think it's what comes with it and what things you have to do, because if um, 
and I thought about it this way because like now we have family like we have family stuff my and people ask like oh what's like what are your kids doing they're like yo Kofi's traveling shooting all kinds of stuff like he's working with yeah. like, all he's doing x y and z and they're talking with they're talking about it with and you know that you know the you know the big the big ethnic person energy yeah. they're going when they come into when they come into the function and they want to talk about their kids yet my parents oh, yeah. come in talking that same type of goodness but it's just yeah. not oh this guy's performing brain surgeries no he's he's doing stuff uh he's, he's running a business that's successful that um oh. most people can recognize so i think that's um i don't think it's i again i don't think it's i don't think it was a title i think it's so much as a work ethic that it takes to be associated with that because even if you put that same energy into anything else you probably would be successful Mm -hmm. Ooh, that was so good <laughs> that was so good i love that i love that so much and especially as myself like i'm an immigrant you know like you don't yeah I'm immigrant, so i totally see this but clearly i've never i've tried to follow like the straight path and it just never worked out for me thankfully my mom also has not followed the straight path so i had yeah. like a I had like a a good example of like you can yeah. do different things, <laughs> but I know it's not it's not the norm, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. the norm. So that's really cool. Um, do you feel that it also has to do with the idea of like success? That because they saw that you were successful, that they were able to accept it more because of that? Absolutely. Yeah, because like think about it this way: you, if you're coming to your parents, if you if you're coming to your parents with any sort of like I'm going to do this entrepreneurially, you're probably not very old probably like in your early 20s like, like you know late teens early 20s um or mid 20s or anything like that you're still living in their house so i think the success thing is the only indicator for me to understand that like you're not making a poor decision mm -hmm. right because like I, I i would need some sort of proof because like if I, for example i know a doctor is successful financially i know a lawyer is successful financially i know an engineer is successful financially if i was born on the other side of the world where they didn't have cameras in that particular country mm -hmm. and you tell me that you're going to do that and you're going to be successful i need to see some sort of proof mm. right and, and and that's where like i got a really good perspective on like especially like when that kind of like when the kind of the, the backing out the backing off kind of happened um i got some really unique perspective on like I, it's not so much as immigrant parents or parents that are old school or parents in general just want to go and stomp on your dreams that makes zero sense because I'm sure that as an adult, you can understand that if you go and ruin somebody's like, go and ruin somebody's dreams, they're probably not going to like you very much when they or when they have the ability to, um, to regulate how often they see or contact you later on in life. Mm. It's probably not gonna be favorable for you if you keep squashing their dreams all the time. It's unrealistic mm. to think that like a parent would just do that for no reason. Mm. Um, but it's more so, I don't know if this is successful or not, or this is actually going to work. And I mean, like, you're and functionally when you're presenting that to your parents most likely you're a child right mm -hmm. so like how like and most of, and a lot of times sometimes children don't have the most right answers when it comes to life experience things or things that require life experience right so right. i can understand why there is going to be pushback I, I think that's natural i think it'll be it would kind of be scary if there wasn't mm -hmm. like looking back on it, I, I would be a little bit afraid if like my parents like yeah sure go for it because i feel like i would be <laughs> i because i feel like i'd be grossly responsible with it yeah Right. I feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't work very hard because I wouldn't I didn't feel like I had something I had to prove to somebody else, which I mean, like that might may or may not be a toxic thing to think about. I but was going to say, let's go deep into that one. <laughs> uh, and, and that's and, and we can go deep into that one, too. Like I, when I when I think when I say things like that or when I talk about like either competition or, or having something to prove, it's not necessarily a, from a place of 
Um, if I don't, then I'll feel depressed about it. It's mm -hmm. more so, um, I'm trying to think of a way to, because I, I don't lose sleep over not being able to prove something. So I don't know necessarily. Right. Um, it's, hmm. it's hard. Within yourself? Yeah, because I think it's, it's the only way that I can explain it is like when I play uh, competitive sports, like when I played football or something like that, like you very much wanted to win. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you want to, you wanted to, you want to make a hit that people will remember for the rest of their lives. Yeah. But if you did it, you didn't necessarily get very upset about it necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of just took it as like, ah, I'm going to like, I'm going to outdo myself or prove to other people mm -hmm. upset thing. But if I don't, it doesn't bother me that much, but I would like to at least have that as like, at least, uh, there's some part of where having that um, sentiment in your mind is good. It's just that the shelf life of how good it is up until it gets really mm -hmm. like toxic is very, very short between how long that is. So right. there is some part of it that has to do with like self-improvement. And I like that right. part of it. It's just that when you tie up your identity into not getting those things whenever you want to mm -hmm. is where it gets bad, right? And I think like it, it takes, I guess it takes a lot of like introspection to know when that stops and when it starts. But a lot of emotional it, intelligence as well, right? Because we yeah. live in a world and I don't just want to say a system because it is a world. That's what, how it operates. Mm -hmm. It's almost like even to measure success, when we talk about success, it's almost like you're measuring it against somebody else, right? It's almost like a competitive mm -hmm. thing. But to bring it back to yourself, you know what I mean? And to know that like, okay, yeah, you can, you know, start to measure somebody else, but then how long does that last until you feel like you yeah. have to do more, you have to be more and to bring it back to yourself. Okay, now what do I, why am I actually like, chasing this what am i craving mm -hmm. this like what you know so i think that's it's emotional intelligence is being able yeah. to like know this and to like you said introspection to really look at yeah. yourself to, to really know where the um where self-competition even external competition because i still think that's mm -hmm. uh, on some level it's very healthy right so i think there's mm -hmm. i think you have to i think before you get into spaces that would cause you to be competitive you have to be able to um regulate those things and be like okay mm -hmm where is it like where where do where do i know that like i've gone too far in trying to be competitive yeah. right um and i think what i and i think that was one of the mistakes i made earlier on is because i tried to um what i was trying to do is that i knew that there were people in the space when i started that had been way ahead of me there were three four five ten years ahead of me mm -hmm. and um in my mind i was like okay well maybe in 10 years they only um had 200 chances of field experience Mm -hmm. So I can control that variable. I can make sure that I get to 150 in half in a 10th of the time. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it was that I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I'll just try to cover as much ground as somebody in five years in, in, in six months. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is you end up working every single day. <laughs> and, I remember uh, well, I had to remind you, are you sleeping? Make sure you're yeah. sleeping. <laughs> and no, no, I, I, I am sleeping now. It's just like, my brain's just like, my body's just like, Oh, Oh, all that stuff you did. Like when you, yeah, all that stuff you did, we're coming to collecting today. Yeah. Uh, we didn't forget. And uh, we're going to do that. We're going to wreck you now. But um, I think there was like, and I think as much as I was tired and as much as it was hard, I truthfully, I don't regret it. Mm -hmm. I, I think I could say that. I think I comfortably say that. Like, I don't necessarily regret it. Like, and it's like, it's like training, right? Like you're going to have times where like, and it might be extended periods of time where it sucks mm -hmm. and, and that you're not going to like it while it's happening. But then I don't think if I didn't necessarily install that work ethic, then I, I don't think I would be in the uh, business position that I am now, because one of the big things, and, and I'll tell a lot of creators, if, if there's any that are here, um, a lot of times when I get jobs, it's not quality. Mm 
-hmm. not at all um most people most people's biggest compliments for me is that i'm responsive um punctual when it makes sense um sometimes you know <laughs> i live in i live in young Eglinton, so like sometimes they have one like one lane in or out will happen and right. that's a rare occasion but it still happens um yeah, was the more reliability, responsiveness, and punctuality. It's a lot of the things that, like, you don't learn using a camera that, that I think uh, has gotten me more jobs. But that only happened from working really, really hard mm. and, and pushing yourself to, to make deadlines or to be responsive and, and things like that. There, there was a lot of that that I think happened in that span of, like, not sleeping and doing all that stuff. Mm. Um, it kind of designed a little bit of a framework of work ethic that other people can appreciate. So when they have three options of someone to pick, they're like, okay, well, like everyone's pretty close together um, from a product offering, but I know that this guy is going to have a great turnaround time. He's going to be honest with me. He's going to he's going to do a lot of things that don't require a camera, right? And the only way you cultivate those skills, I found, was if you cover a lot of ground in a short period of time. So, mm -hmm. um, I would say, yes, I don't recommend overworking. It sucks. Um, but if you're someone that's kind of already done it already, I wouldn't necessarily look back on it with regret. I would just look at the things that you learned from doing that, um, which is probably take up melatonin. This is what she's called. <laughs> okay, so let's go back. Let's go back to that. No regrets. But if you could go back, right, to when you were grinding and like you weren't sleeping and I had to remind you all the time, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're eating properly. Right? I didn't do either so of those things. Just, just, just so we're clear, I didn't do either of those things. For everyone that's I listening. Remember. Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, like, but let's go back to that. If you could go back, would you would you prioritize your self care a little bit more? Do you think that would have even given you like more energy, or do you think that would have given you the space that you needed within yourself to still learn the lessons yeah. in a way that didn't cause you like harm, like physical harm, or didn't cause? Because I know you. There was a point where. Uh, you and I had a conversation where you were saying that you you felt like you were on the brink of adrenal fatigue, like you were burned yeah. out, like you were like it's in, like you feel like you're about to burn out. Yeah, um, I would say if there was any, and I would say regret. I think if there was one thing that I would change, is I would have put a better time investment in finding someone to mentor mentor me through the process. Mm -hmm. um, because even now, I still don't have that. Like even now, I'm still not in the like. I I haven't necessarily found a person that I could like that I know that knows vastly more than I do that I can call upon to do things. It's only now that like I've I've started to talk to people that that know much more than I do. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think I did a lot of investment into finding those things out. And I think it, and it was twofold. And I don't think it was a pride thing because that was something I really wanted to have. I really like not being the smart person in the room. If that makes any sense. Um, but I think what ends up happening is because the the, the creative entrepreneurial space is so competitive. Um, a lot of people up there weren't willing to necessarily give a lending hand, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that you would ask, and like sometimes, like, and, and there and there's tons of creators. I remember, I remember asking and emailing, just like asking general questions about things, and people were super, either super standoffish. There wasn't a lot of people that were willing to even have the conversation with you. So I, the way that I figured it is like, well, screw you, I'll just I'll figure it out myself. Yeah. Um, and I think what ends up happening is that there probably should have been a time where I should have stopped and be like, hey, let's take another stab at it. Like now that you've gotten your feet wet a little bit. Um, but I didn't because it was more so like me assuming that the the landscape of people not sharing information was still a thing. Now it's completely different. Now people are making um, entire platforms based off of sharing their, their best knowledge for free. Right. But back then, it definitely wasn't the case. Like people wouldn't tell me heads or tails of anything. So you were left up to your own devices and hoping to God that you got the right combination 
of uh, of information to actually have some sort of success right so mm-hmm. um and when you don't have that what the only other option really i guess in my mind my only really other option was just continue working and, and screwing up and making those mistakes because it's not like someone's going to mentor you to not do those things right there you're kind of alone with the paddle so you have to keep swimming i guess wow that's so powerful and obviously i'm such a huge advocate of this you know like i'm a mentor i'm a coach because i do believe it's so important and it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. that person is so far ahead of you but it's more like if somebody is one step ahead of you that they can support you and they can also guide you to figure out your own way like i think people have this idea of like a mentorship or like a coach is like somebody's gonna give them like okay step one step two step three this is how you do but it's more of like no this i can show you what i've done and how i got to do what i did how i got to you know come up with like the mindset or whatever and i can help Mm -hmm. you i can support you and guide you into figuring out yourself knowing that you're not just doing it by yourself knowing that you Mm -hmm. have that support knowing that somebody is rooting for you and somebody is trying to help you and i think we're i'm seeing it more and more now that it is like you mentioned like it is coming it's coming out more people are realizing this we're realizing like the importance of almost like that community and that connection you know that Mm -hmm. we're not we're not doing it alone that like we can even from both sides we can reach out to somebody and also <laughs> we can help somebody else yeah so how important is it for you now that in the space that you're in now you've had a lot of successes and you've had a lot of growth in your own business and your personal life how important is it for you now to be able to give back in that sense to be able to maybe help somebody who is looking for a mentor uh i think that's super important but i i I think the, and I, you know what, I think this is where um, we all do this. I think we all grow up into becoming like our parents, whether we like it or not, we, we will adopt some aspects of it. And um, my dad, like, like, my dad is probably the hardest working person that I, that I am, that I know. I could, yeah, the hardest working person I could comfortably say that is, that's still alive. I, I, I could, I could definitely say that. Um, and I think when I want to start mentoring, I almost, I don't care about the work quality that someone's putting in. Mm-hmm. I care about the intent in the, like, in the, in the mm-hmm. work perspective. And I think there's, I think I have to get out of my own head and expecting that someone is going to have the same circumstances as me and want to work that hard. Mm-hmm. Cause now I start using, right. um, I start using like my intention when I was starting as the litmus test of somebody that I would like to teach. And I mean, it's a great thing, but I think you also have to understand like some people aren't in those positions. So it's hard for yeah. them to be like, yeah, I'm going to, like, I'm willing to work for 200 days straight. Um, if that means I'm going to be as good as being a sellable or a, at least a competitive entrepreneur in wherever, whatever right. space that I'm in. Um, and now taking on like a one-on-one mentor, I don't know if that's really my thing. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I like teaching in groups, if that makes any sense, and then kind of figuring things out later. I don't know if I'm a one-on-one type of person. I definitely am in a group. Um, there's actually a group like that we're on a Discord where very frequently will I go on gigantic like like sermons, basically. <laughs> uh, we actually, on, when we were using Clubhouse, we actually called it that. We called it the Sunday sermon. We're like, whenever the day that I wasn't working, there'd be like a three-hour gap where I would just like recap client conversations mm-hmm. or... Uh, things that I learned entrepreneurially, things I just learned in business school. Like I would just recap all those things in like three, four hours on a week on a weekly basis. Um, but yeah, the mentoring aspect, um, the mentoring aspect of things, is something that I would like. I want to do. Um, I just don't know what capacity. I haven't really, I haven't really thought about like how. I know I'm going but I feel to. Like- 
But I feel like even just in the way that you mentioned it, that isn't a way of mentorship, right? It doesn't have yeah. to look or it doesn't have to feel like the way that, you know, it's typical, like, okay, one-on-one work or whatever. But even yeah. in the way that you share your behind-the-scenes stuff, the way that you share, you know, the way that you do your color grading, to me, that's that's like a being a that's showing that, like, this is how I do things and this is how I came to be here and this is how, like, this is witnessing my evolution. <laughs> I, and, and I, I don't want to necessarily put it that way because what I found out very, um, very early on Mm-hmm. is someone who, like i can't remember who it might have been gary b more than likely it was and he's like you want to build a brand put all your best information out for free because two mm-hmm. things will happen one 99 percent of people watching it will never replicate it they won't even mm-hmm. try it's just a cool thing they watch i could post mm-hmm. and i just did i literally just posted a on, on my youtube channel whole behind the scenes of how to shoot a fitness video in two hours and i could comfortably say based on the view count that it is now 99 percent of my audience will not watch that video the 1% that does may watch it. 1% of that 1% will actually do anything about it and, and, and win with it. You hire that person. Mm-hmm. So that like nothing stop. like there's no losing and giving that best information for free. If somebody, if, if replicating the services that I offer and everything that I'm doing, if, is it, if it's as easy as me telling you in an hour and a half and you can do exactly what I'm doing and, and, and lack of a better term, beat my ass with it then I kind of deserve to lose in that situation. I don't think I really made a good foundation of it as, as an entrepreneur if I could tell somebody in an hour and a half how to do exactly what I'm doing and, and win at it. But mm-hmm. if somebody does approach that option, I wouldn't necessarily consider that person a threat or competition. I would be like, hey, um, can I hire you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because I, and I think there's a thing about, um, especially in the creative entrepreneurial space, we think that there are way less people that need us than there is. So we have this kind of small person mentality. We don't share information. We never help each other out. When we do help each other out, it's kind of like this more like give and uh, take and no give kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And we and it happens very frequently. And, and I, I will say I would like to see it stop. But like um, we, we have this like small person mentality mm-hmm. where the problem is that some of these, like some of the, some of the, some of the projects, some of the work that's out there requires people that work well in teams. Actually, I could comfortably say I think one of the biggest things that have happened for me this year is to be able to work in the teams. I think that's like that's actually probably pushed um, uh, my career, I guess, forward more than anything this year is, is being able to work with other people or collaborate with other people or even just talk to other people that are in the creative space. I think that's very valuable too. Um, and, ab- and abandoning the small person mentality. But I think what happens earlier on is that you think that you're the only person. Like, you think that you invented the thing and, and you don't necessarily like to... Um, lean on anybody else for external help to, to do that. But yeah, I think from the mentoring perspective is, I, I, I guess you're right. The um, just give by giving out information may function as some sort of mentoring for some people, especially if like, if one-on-one mentoring has a financial component that they can't take up for. So uh, yeah, you're definitely right. The roundabout way of me getting to that point, but you're definitely right. <laughs> but, okay, so you hit on something too that I think is so interesting that, um, for me or what i what i believe is the intention behind it as well right if you're sharing Mm -hmm. the information with the hopes of like i don't know just like showing off but not the hopes of like this is something that i feel like more people should be doing this is something that i feel like it's like it's needed in the world i think there's a different energy to that you know when you're Mm -hmm. when you're so worried about like i can't share i have to keep this for myself i can't share i can't share i can't share it's almost like, to me, I feel like that's so selfish. And it's like, you're almost like stifling your own creativity. You're stifling your own like blessing, if I could say, because you're almost like holding it for yourself. When it's like, 
when things, creativity or whatever it is come through you, it is meant to be shared. It is meant to be experienced. So it's like, I, I'm totally on par with you about like, people are just like not wanting to share and feeling like, but if I share all of my good, all of my good stuff, then like, what, what, what else is there left? And it's like, no, that's not how it works. Like, that's you're never going to run out of it. 1000% not. <laughs> Right, you're never gonna I, run out of it and go. I would almost say creativity is a yeah. I would almost say creativity is like a natural renewing resource. Yes, in, as long as that you're not in 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 as far as that you're doing it for like the right reasons and you're in and, the, and the you still keep exactly. fine capacity. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Absolutely, I'm glad that's amazing, and I love that, and I think also. Um, I love, like, I obviously, like, I've known you for, I've known you for a few years now, <laughs> you know, I, I love your, your passion about things, and something else that I really respect about you is the fact that, not to bring up, you know, like, I'm not going to say the name, but, like, your, your uncle is well known in the fitness industry, but most people don't even know this, most people don't even know that you guys are related, and it's weird because you're in the same industry, but I respect that so much about you because it wasn't until like I saw you like next to each other, I was like, "Oh that shit, that's, that's his relative!" Like they're yeah, um, that's on purpose. Um, oh, I know, but I love that. <laughs> and I know, I know, uh, he, him, and my aunt are crazy about it. But my whole thing when I was coming up was knowing that that existed and knowing mm -hmm. that by all technical standpoints. And I think like, I didn't necessarily, I wanted to come up on my own and I yeah. didn't want people to say, you got to where you were in the space yeah. that you're in because you have family or friends that are in that space. And I wanted it mm -hmm. to be very much, you, you're going to pick me versus your, like, for example, if you're, if you're talking about fitness videos or photos or content or whatever, you're going to pick me because I'm going to be so much better than your next best option. And not because what my last name is or what a DNA test will result. Mm -hmm. So, my whole thing was say absolutely nothing. Yeah. Don't say anything. People that people that know will know. Um, <laughs> and if like and obviously it's not necessarily like if I get asked to do if I get asked to do something like, I'm not gonna be like no screw you man like that's, yeah. that's right like it's, it's still your family members you still like you, whether you like it or not you have an obligation to help your family and support them right so and that, that's not to say that it would be unwillingly I I, I definitely do like all the progress that I've been doing. Um, but that that to be said, I, I didn't want, um, and especially, and you know what, I think it's a little bit because I, for those of you that are listening and that you're on the live, I'm a black man, right? <laughs> so you have to work twice as hard to get half as much in some in some cases. And unfortunately, that's, that's not that much different in this space. Mm -hmm. So my idea of that was to really put myself, that's not necessarily in isolation, but really do things on my own and do it to a point where it's so good that in another thing I did on purpose was my first year. If less you had met me before, if you looked at my Instagram page and probably still now, no one knows what I look like. Yeah. That's on purpose yeah. because the idea is that the quality of work and, and the branding and everything is going to be so good that it doesn't matter if I'm a 29 year old black man or 73 year old white woman you're yeah. still going with that option regardless. So yeah. that was that was the idea that, that I wanted to I wanted to come up with and not necessarily leveraging the connections and stuff that I had. Now those things came later and I think timing when I utilized them was super beneficial, but I would definitely say that I really didn't want I really wanted to do uh, come up I guess on my own. But mm -hmm. yeah, not at the behest of anybody else just because that was just something for my own self. No, and seriously, like I remember the first time I saw you guys in nature and I was like 
I turned to Nick and I was like, they look a lot alike. I was like, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and then I asked you and you were like, yeah, that's my uncle. And I was like, yo, what? That's why. Yeah, that, but that's honestly, my respect for you went so, it went up because of that. Because I was like, you know what? Like, that's, that's amazing. Because a lot of people have this idea that in order to succeed in something that, you know, or when you look at somebody who's like at a certain level that you want to be at or that you're looking at them as they're like a higher level with something like higher whatever that means sometimes we, we make this story in our heads about them right like oh they only got there because yeah you know like oh they but, only did that and it's like you my uncle that. wanted me to do that he's like why aren't you using this i'm like bro <laughs> like like i have these i have this argument at least uh, almost a hundred times he's like why are you not leveraging these connections or whatever i'm like I will eventually, but I want to do it from a place yeah. where I can stand on my own regardless, right? Mm -hmm. And that be and that makes that connection that much more valuable, right? Yeah. Now, if you now if, uh, if I if I I need a favor or I need a connection or anything like that, it's not so much as somebody being like, "Hey, this is my friend or my nephew." Like, you know, he's he kind he's kind of learning, but like, you know, I I want you guys yeah. to connect. Now it's like, no, you know, this guy already. We're related. You know, what I mean, it's a completely different yeah. conversation. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting. I think the live shuts off in an hour, so we might have to like go back in in a second. No, no, it doesn't do that anymore. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at the time. Oh shit. Looking out though, but it doesn't do that anymore. I've gone a little bit over, just like a, like I've gone over and it hasn't done anything. So okay, <laughs> we're good. That's fine. But no, that's that's really cool. I feel like honestly, I've looked up for hours, but I'm gonna, you know, I know you have things to do because you always have things to do. So <laughs> let's you talk know what? about. <laughs> I feel like I'm being attacked. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about how you mentioned how um you purposely like kept your face off of your your page you purposely wanted your work to like speak for itself do you feel that totally lost my channel of thought <laughs> uh do you think that i would have benefited from probably not doing that no no that's not where i was going with it that's not where i was going with it but sure i mean go with that let's let's um dive into that I'm going to say yes, probably. I'd say more than likely, um, and I and I think a lot of the I think a lot of the ways that things have gone on is like I kind of tried to time it upright, but I think the timing is like looking at it now when people mention it, it's it's far apart. Where I probably should have had a little bit more of a personal touch on things um, earlier. Where in my mind I was like, nope, just let the work speak. But like I kept saying that over and over again for long periods of time. Where like right. it got to the point where I didn't have to necessarily have that. Um, I didn't have to necessarily have that um, uh, mindset anymore. Right. Um, I think that that mindset probably should have ended probably at like the end of 2019, and that just didn't. Um, so I probably would have benefited from like I probably and by benefited I mean like it's people buy from people right so when you get to see who the person is not just hear their voice yeah. I think that there's a lot of value into that and I think that's why I did well in the years that I, like when we were in a pandemic where I actually physically saw people that I was working with it whether it be at a show or an expo or something like that uh, there's a lot of value in seeing the person you're you're gonna invest in or and vice versa right there's a lot of value in seeing them face to face um, yeah I totally think I, I yeah yeah I, I would say that I probably would have probably would have been a lot better um, I don't know if it would have made things drastically different than how they are now. Um, I mean, I guess I would definitely um, pay more attention to my parents. I would probably like get a haircut and shave a little bit more often. <laughs> but aside from that, I think, you know, yeah, definitely, I, I definitely, I definitely wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't advise people 
to hide their faces or who the personality is for long periods of time and expect to have longevity in their brand. Mm, I, I, I agree with this. I agree with this a lot. Um, so how do you show up? How do you make sure that you show up authentically online in a space that is so curated and it's so, you know, showing the highlight reels and all of these things? Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that like what you're putting out is authentic to like the phase that you're in or what you're experiencing at the moment? Um, I think... I th and I think I do this more in written word on my stories. I mean, it's people that are that, are, that follow me on Instagram. I, I am very, um, I don't want to call it blunt or rude or savage. I would say objective. I would mm -hmm. definitely say the word would be objective. Where in my mind, I know what kind of energy or what kind of person I don't want to be around. Whether it be someone that's paying me or otherwise. I know what I don't want to be around. And when I say things on socials or when I, when I portray a message, um, my, I guess my, my benchmark is if the only people that don't like what's being said are the type of people that I don't want to necessarily be around anyways, then it doesn't bother me, right? Um, and I, I mean, that might be, that might be objective or, or scary for some people to, to realize, but everybody has a certain type of person they want to be around, right? Whether it's a partner or a client or whatever the case is, everybody has certain types of people and energies that they like being around. Mm -hmm. I just speak to those people. And if the people that aren't like that or people that I don't want, like I don't necessarily want to associate or be, or be in close proximity mm -hmm. to, um, my content is never going to be for them, right? So when mm -hmm. I talk about things like uh, the entrepreneurial process or dealing with clients or things like that, there was a lot of there was a lot of like uh, feedback that I got and like hey you don't want to like necessarily be a complainer or come off a certain way because you might lose business and I and the kind of thing I said is like the only clients that would be offended or or pressed about some of the things I said are the people that like I would never have engaged with anyways right and and if anything and, and again this was sometimes I have moments of being uh, of being a little hot headed but I, I I kind of remember saying I was like well I mean based on my calendar I don't think that's the case. Um, which is something that I, I, I have to work on. I think when, mm -hmm. I think I don't necessarily have to think every time someone has a critique of me that they're, they're trying to size me up or, or get into some sort of a measurement contest. But, hey, uh, I definitely <laughs> did say that. <laughs> I definitely did say that. So I, I, I will take responsibility for things that I do say when they're not necessarily right. But, um, yeah, I think that's it. I think my, my litmus test of authenticity is just, do I know what people like, do I know energy that I don't want to come off as? and that I don't like around me, great. Um, almost say things that ward those things off, whether it, if it's myself or someone else, right? So like, I would say things that like, if someone's like, hey, but you do that, it's like, ooh, okay, I have to change up, right? Mm. Or if I say things, people are like, I'm pressed about this. I'm like, yes, but it's objectively true, not offensive. And it, it probably just identifies that you, there's some sort of um, introspection that needs to be happened mm. or whatever the case might be. Um, yeah, I would definitely say that my authenticity is just knowing what I don't want around me and then just kind of using my voice to keep those things away. Because at that point, you can be yourself and you don't have to worry about like, oh, what if someone like doesn't like me follows me? It's like you've already said enough things that probably scared them away anyway. So then now you now the people that you're around are only people that kind of want to be there, right? And uh, I think it's a bit of a worry at first that you want to be honest and vocal with your with your opinions and, and your yeah. thoughts. But I think you'll be very surprised to find that, like, there's other people that think like that. Right. And they actually might be, in some cases, long-term engagers of your business or long-term right. supporters based on knowing those things about you. That is so powerful. 
wow that is such a powerful reminder and it's funny because i've kind of seen this theme played out in pretty much all of the the chats that i've had with people saying that like you know not everybody is meant for you and that's that's true and when you show up authentically when you show up as yourself when you share like your values your morals your truths the people who are meant to align with that will so it's not about catering to every single person because you're never going to be able to even no. if you try to like color within the lines and be the most perfect person there's still going to be somebody who's going to be like i don't like i don't like i don't like her yeah. i don't like him so it's like instead of worrying about that just worry about like showing up with yourself and knowing yeah. you're going to align with the people who you're meant to i would guarantee and i would almost put money on it that there are probably at least 60 people i that i would probably have a chance of interaction with on a regular basis that hate my guts I'd say about 60. Mm -hmm. Just in terms of, like, people that I might see, like, in a year. Like, if I, if I was to, like, tally up all the, like, faces of people I would see in, in, a, in a calendar year, there's probably about 60 people that hate me. It's just, I think the key is it's not your responsibility to care. It's novel thought, right? Like, things that you actualize that aren't necessarily bad, right? Like, obviously, you're not doing things to hurt other people or, or right. to be malicious or, or vindictive. Or if you're not doing those things and people don't like you, it's not necessarily your responsibility to care, right? Or even to respond, right? Like, I'm sure there are some people, and I'm sure it's now because, I, again, I, I'm pretty vocal and pretty objective on things like, um, things that I'll tolerate in client conversations, price points, how my like, like how processing and speaking to me goes. Like I'm pretty up, like I'm pretty upfront about like how I like to be addressed, um, and not not in a way that's like pompous or anything pompous, like that. Yeah. <laughs> don't like if I don't know you, don't be like, yo, bro, I need this. I'm like, I I don't know you like that, right? So like there's certain things that like I will I'll take and not take. I'm sure there are people that hate my guts for even thinking of saying that out loud. Yeah. Um, it's just it's not my responsibility to waver on those things just because you don't like it, especially when I, it's not necessarily meant to be malicious or, or malintended towards you. It's just stuff you're willing to and not willing to accept. And if someone's right. going to not like me about that, mm -hmm. it doesn't really bother me. I'll worry about the people that care. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I also respect with you and also with Nicholas, because you, t <laughs> you both like, you know, your shit, like, you know who you are and you're like, yeah, yeah that's it. It doesn't, nope. It's okay. Bye. Like, you know I what? respect that so much, especially as a creator, where, you know, you're, this is what we're told, right? Like, when you first start a business, when you have a business, like, the customer is always right and things like this. So, for you, you two are such a great example of, like, mm, not really, no, not always. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> they're not. I'll, I'll offer two things. Um, on the customer is <laughs> right. The customer isn't always right. The customer is always to be respected. Because the customer is mm -hmm. always right, yeah. then you shouldn't have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the first one is, I don't necessarily think I know who I am, but mm. I know that the other person probably doesn't know that answer either. So at the very least, I'll just control my own opinions of that. Like, I don't know who I am, but I definitely know that Gerald doesn't, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I'm definitely going to say, like, if we're both going to fail this test, I might get a 51, but you're getting a 27. <laughs> so at least we're going to go with my results. You know what I mean? Like, that, I'm not, yeah. I don't necessarily think it's like, I know who I am and like, screw everybody else. I think it's like, yo, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I'm closer to the right answer than anybody else's. Right, but you have like your boundaries set. Like you have your certain yeah. things oh, that like, yeah, this is 100%. set. And therefore, I'm not going to waver just because yeah. it's like, I have a business and I need the money, right? And this is, this is a shift that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people who are starting businesses or who have long-term businesses, it, it, it's almost like that shift that needs to happen to 
it's in a way realizing your own your own worth right where you can yeah. like not giving discounts and things like this where you realize like i have certain things that i have set and it's like it, it, it you either align with this or you don't and that's fine yeah and you uh -huh. know you you either align with who i am and the way that i do my business or you don't and that's okay that's fine because there are people that will no our feelings yeah exactly um my dad said something it was interesting because i feel like as i got like farther and farther in like freelancing and having a business that's like halfway successful by, by some standards. Um, my dad's already offering a lot of entrepreneurial advice, although never, he's not an entrepreneur at all. Yeah. Um, but he said something like super, super important to that point of, of the discounting and stuff like that. And he's like, if you have to ask for $20, ask for $20, but by damn, will you ever take a penny less? I'm like, <laughs> you have said some things. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that, and that was, and that was something where it was like, even if you're somebody that's new, yeah. And your price point is lower and you think that you need to be up in the tiers of having like four or five, six figure deals or whatever. If you got to ask for a hundred bucks, just cause you need those groceries, ask for a hundred bucks, get your money. Yeah. A, be content with what you're doing and, and B, don't take anything less than what you set the standard for. Even if it's comparatively not as high as some of your peers, have some sort of benchmark, right? Mm -hmm. Have some sort of, uh, some sort of line in the sand. It could be right. somewhere different on the beach, but have some sort of line in the sand, right? And mm -hmm. I think what ends up happening is that um, some people like, oh, I'll just offer the most competitive, competitive if not low price, and that'll get yeah. me the gig. Um, I'll put it this way. You won't get heart, open heart surgery in a third world country mm -hmm. if you had a choice, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't necessarily go to a, uh, a less developed country to get a important surgery mm -hmm. because your fear of them not getting the results that you, that you hope for. Right. Sometimes your clients treat that the same way right mm -hmm. so it's a it's a balancing act right you have to you want to present yourself as a as a respectable service provider um however formally or informally that you that you that you approach the things um, but then also setting reasonable lines in the sand for yourself and knowing that yeah i might not be the million dollar person right now right. I, I might be the thousand dollar person right now but yeah. i will not take 999 dollars for any circumstance just because I'm not as far along as some people might think comparatively. Yeah, I love that. And this is this is a huge thing for people to to acknowledge, to mm -hmm. look at, and actually realize the truth in it. It is difficult, and it is a learning curve. You know, especially if you are an entrepreneur, you're doing things by yourself. It is a learning curve because we're, yeah. we're so used to, you know, the world go like discounts. You know, like sales. Like yeah. it's a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> it's a thing that we're used to. So to make that shift within like your own business, it is difficult, but yeah it's a learning curve so speaking of um the evolution and growth of you as a person and you as a business owner as a creator as a creative business owner as well um what happens when the when you have those times where maybe your your mindset is, isn't as strong or those times where things aren't going as well as you expected them to go or maybe you're just feeling down in the dumps like how are you able to bring yourself back how are you able to even keep going or take the rest that you need to acknowledge like this is what's going on like do you have any process that you go through or do you still have these moments because something else that i realized that a lot of people are scared to or they don't do certain things because they have an idea of their minds of like when i get to this level like that's it like i've made it and i never like this life is easy like life is everything mm -hmm. and you know like i'm not gonna have any struggles anymore all these things which we all know this is bs like it's life like there's always gonna be 
there's it's supposed to be continuous growth right continuous mm. evolution continuous growth so there's no such thing as like i've made it if you i personally believe if you ever get to the point you feel like i've made it and like that's it i have nothing else to learn i have no no, no more growth to experience then it's like what's the point mm-hmm. right so like do you find yourself have, or how do you get yourself out of a a situation like that or were you just feeling down in the dumps like do you have uh, practices or anything that you do I think those are two. Th- I think those are two things. I think that feeling down in the dumps and then feeling, uh, and the and the notion of avoiding feeling like you've you figured everything out. I think those are two different things. Yes. Um, but the avoiding feeling down in the dumps, um, I kind of do an evaluation as to what I'm doing now, and even if it's financially fulfilling, mm-hmm. um, why is it weighing down on me, and do I need to let that thing go? So I think recently, and this happens, and this happens often. Um, and again, I don't want it to necessarily, uh, it's, it's going to sound like a first world problem and I'm going to prepare everybody for that. I, I haven't really had a dip in business, even during the pandemic. I think things kind of like, it went like here level during the pandemic and then almost entirely vertical. And there wasn't necessarily an air of like feeling down in the dumps because there wasn't enough work coming through. It was more so I felt down in the dumps because I wasn't working on the type of things that I want to be working on. Mm. But like financially, I was, I was, I was more than met, but it was more like I, I'm doing these gigs that like, I don't feel like doing mm-hmm. and I kind of don't like right. um, not really pushing anything forward. So I think that made me super, um, I guess that put me down in the dumps, I think for the first time and it, it has multiple times. Right. Right. Um, and I think that was just the nature of the pandemic. You, you make certain plans based on the idea that things are going to be open. So you, you're a little bit more lenient in terms of scope and things that you're going to take on. So, and then things open up all over again. And it, and it doesn't, currently doesn't look like it's going to go back in that direction. So now you have to kind of be accountable to those things you committed to during pandemic times. And right. it's a weird mismatch because now there's other opportunities that things are open that you can't take on because you're, you're right. committed to things that when things are closed. Um, that really, I think that really messed me up a little bit. Um, and what I would do is I just would, I know that a lot of my, I would cut off any way that you would be able to contact me to ask me to do any work. And the reason why, and I've self-actualized this and I'm, I'm trying to work on it. I say yes to a lot of stuff, right? Now I give caveats to when I say yes to things, but nonetheless, I say yes to a lot of things. Sometimes I shouldn't, most times I shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and me knowing that like I'm still working on that it's going to be even harder if people keep asking me to do stuff so I just started cutting off communication channels for them to be able to do so so that way it's kind of like an out of sight out of mind thing That's not recommend website. yeah but my website hasn't been up for almost a year now my website hasn't been up for almost a year and I think I'm working more than when it was up in the beginning <laughs> right and that was a function of saying yes to stuff so <laughs> um I think what you have to do is sometimes, and, it, and by all means, I don't mean shut down your social media, stop marketing, turn down your website. I think being able to make a goal to say no to half of the things that got brought to you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what it is. Say no to half of it. If you said yes to one, say no to the next. Say yes to two, say no to two. Just do it and see what happens. Um, you'd be very surprised to see what the results of that are. Um, obviously, you know, if you have a financial need, then you objectively you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find a way to keep the lights on um but that kept me out of the dumps a lot because when i said no to things and i kind of not necessarily put your foot down you just, you just weren't interested or you just couldn't you couldn't do those things um other opportunities presented themselves for example even, even so much as things that 
didn't necessarily give me finances, but things that helped me explore things that I wanted to do. Like I've mm -hmm. been trying to leave the fitness niche for like two years now because yeah. I, I was starting to get bored, but I didn't realize I was starting to get bored of it because I was doing projects I didn't like, like, so I'm like, okay, well like don't do them for a while and then kind of figure out like what, what part, like, cause you liked it before. So what part of it did you like? And then do that. Now, the cost of doing that is that you don't generate any money because not no one's going to give you money for you to experiment creatively. Yeah. Right? Um, but then I found out that I like teaching how to do that stuff a lot more. Yeah. And I like making digital assets about it. I make making little YouTube videos about that process and things like that. So it wasn't the act of doing those style of videos that, that I didn't like. It was the fact that like I had to adhere to somebody else's expectations. And the amount of financial uh, compensation to do that wasn't enough for me to dedicate the majority of my time doing it. Mm. So now I'm in the space of like, I'm only going to do those when I feel like it. And like, I see it making makes sense. I mean, if a brand is like, Hey, we have a campaign and, and there's things like that. And, and obviously that's a giant opportunity from a career perspective, but in terms of the small run stuff, I'm just going to do it when I feel like it, or I have a spark or have the energy to do so because me saying, no, I don't lose that much. Right. A lot of things, a lot of things are, are good enough for that to happen. But yeah, I would say um, I started saying no to a lot of stuff and that helped me get out of that funk because I, I was able to focus on things that I actually felt like doing rather than things that I felt like I had to do. Mm, um, there we go. Of <laughs> avoiding feeling like you've got everything figured out. Mm -hmm. I'm very, 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 very good at telling myself that I don't know shit most of the time. <laughs> um, and I'm like the things I do know, I'm confident on the things I don't know, I shut the hell up about, which is something <laughs> that like, I like, I think, I think having immigrant parents, I think most people can oh, yeah. like things you're confident about knowing, like when you know something, you'll speak up and you'll say it. But if you, if you, if you even don't know a little bit, you shut the hell up because you will be embarrassed. Yeah. So I think, um, again, like, I think what, like knowing, not knowing, like, you know, everything. And I think it's also watching, kind of trying to put yourself in a position where you get to see, um, people that are better than you do things or people at the same level as you, right? Like it's, it, I find that it's also nice knowing that I don't know everything when I get to see my peers getting like, getting a whole bunch of opportunities and, and doing super well. I think that's super encouraging too, because it kind of gives you that confirmation bias that you can also do good things. Mm. Um, but then also because you're not already doing that great thing, there's something that they know or have done that you haven't yet. Right. So, right. um, it's essentially using Instagram for positive reasons instead of right. using it as a comparative tool. Um, but then again, that's like, that's something that it's easier to say than it is to actually do. Well, and it's expect a, it's, it's almost like a muscle. You have to, you have to strengthen yeah. it over time, right? Yeah. Especially as a creator and as a business mm -hmm. owner, I feel like it is a muscle that you have to strengthen. A little yeah. Bit. You have to be very good at like looking at it, uh, looking at things objectively yeah. saying that is nice. That's really good. Great for you. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. Like you know, you have to be able to compartmentalize emotional response to yes. seeing things on a screen. Yes, absolutely agree with you. Um, so just to to round this off, um, how do you want people to feel when they interact with you in person or they interact with your work? How do you want people to walk away? Like what feeling or whatever it is that you want them to walk away with? Um, I guess a couple <laughs> things. Um, especially like if the only interaction that you've ever had with me has been on, has been on the internet via watching stories and never actually speaking to me. Um, one, I would like people to know I'm not an asshole. Um, <laughs> He's very not. objective. I, I think, <laughs> I guess tough but fair is a, is a, is a natural, um, tough but fair, I guess is, is kind of a natural, uh, observation. 
um, that I'm very close to personality wise, what I am in person to your online presence. I think that's mm -hmm. super important. And it's always refreshing when you meet people that are like the same in yeah. person as media. And I think the third thing, and I think that's the most important thing is I like the thought process that you've learned something from interacting with me. Like you've walked away learning something or you've walked away with some sort of value you can bring back to your own life and it mm. gives you an immediate and positive outcome. I love that. That makes sense. Cause I think, um, I, I remember I wrote it down when I was like eight and I don't even know why I wrote it down. It was for some, I think it was someone who was like, do you want to be rich and famous or whatever? And I'm like, I'd rather be useful than I was famous. Um, because that, that goes a lot farther, right? Like celebrities come in and get forgotten all the time, but like, you'll remember that like grade seven teacher that taught you something else super important that like you still reference like now. Right, you you you're more likely to remember something from somebody when they teach you things that are valuable than if they did something that looked cool. Right, so yeah. um, I guess those are the three things. I love that. I love that. And um, thank you for taking the time to speak with me. This was amazing. Um, no gonna, problem. I already told you I'm going to put this on my podcast, so I'll I'll send you the link later on when that's yeah. done. But I just want to highlight for what was that? This will be your longest episode. Um, actually, no, I think I have another one that's a little bit longer. I know. And I, I kept looking at the time, too. And I was like, we're just going to keep going because this conversation is so good. <laughs> Damn. It's okay. Damn it. So I imagine people listen to this when they're like on a road trip or something. So yeah. <laughs> oh, when they're just doing chores. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I need to stop and like soak that in. Yeah. What did this guy say? <laughs> he said what to his parents? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But thank you. Thank you for taking the time to, to speak with me. I obviously, you know, I respect you so much. And anytime, even if we spend a long time not talking, when we, when we like connect again, it's like no time has passed. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I, I feel like whenever we start talking, Nick basically is that kid that waits for their, their mom and their uncle to stop talking <laughs> so they can go home. You know, those ones are like, you're waiting in the basement. And you're like, yeah, get your shoes on. Like, I'll be there in a second. And like two hours go by and you're like, where, where did mom go? And that's <laughs> essentially, and then Nick, when, he, when, when he's around. That's, that's amazing. Cause that is so true. You and I always just been talking so much and he's just there like, so we're gonna go home <laughs> the restaurant's closed guys i love that i love that um and you know what it's just it's so refreshing to be able to talk to somebody because i feel like every every chat that i've had so far and i think is going to continue on it's almost in a way that each person is taking like a little part of our our conditioning and our programming whether it's a cultural thing or it's a societal mm -hmm. thing or it's whatever it is and you're almost like breaking out of that that conditioning, yeah. you know, in your own way. Like even being, you know, um, a, a son of immigrants, you know, a successful business owner in the Western world. It's like, again, the things like on paper, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right? So I, I just, I love, I love that you're doing this. And thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for listening to those whispers. Oh, no and, and for allowing these shifts to change your life. Yeah. No, I think it's a lot of fun. I will offer one last thing uh, back to what yeah. you said about the conditioning. Um, I will offer to most people if they do have, uh, if they acknowledge that there's uh, some conditioning from their parents culturally or, or otherwise, try to find out why it exists mm. because it gives you a heck of a lot of context to getting on the same page with the people that you want to be your main support system. I think the big, like a big shift for me obviously was, was being broken, not having any other option, but the, my idea of like where things are in my mindset came a lot from understanding why my parents said and did certain things mm -hmm. and um, where they were coming from in that perspective. That's not to say that you have to necessarily agree with everything your parents say, mm -hmm. but I think at least finding out 
it's kind of like a math equation where you have to show your work, at least observing how they showed their work to get to that answer, even if it's right or wrong, is still super important. It gives you a lot of context um, and it does help you out a bunch, so. So good. So good. They raised they raised you, so they did something right. So I mean, I think it's I think it's worth it to at least do some sort of a deep dive in terms of why they think about everything, not necessarily how uh, about your upbringing, right? So. Ah, uh, so good. Thank you for that. That was the perfect way to end this off. <laughs> no problem. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. You as well. I'll see you Bye. later. <laughs> see ya.